want to talk about some weird stuff today? Yeah. Let's talk about some weird stuff today. Heck yes. Because that's all we have to do <laughs> today. As Here. opposed to yesterday. As opposed to yesterday, yes, where we didn't talk about anything. <laughs> the entire world was like, nah, let's just, let's just not do anything. I'm not going to speak about anything. I wish that no was opinions the case. on the world. really wish that was the case. Anyway, No hello. Hot Take Monday. That's our new initiative we're going to put out here. No Hot Take Monday. <laughs> you got Hot Takes saving for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's Everyone's why we record still on very tired. <laughs> it's true. Welcome to this week's episode of Season 9 of Jacob OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello. And we got some random stuff to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Got some games. Mm-hmm. Got some adaptations of games. <sighs> Yep. Got some literature. Literature. Yes. But first, let's let's hear a little bit from our sponsor this week. This episode is brought to you by a video game. Not a video game, but a game game. It's called Save and Shine. Yeah! It's a pretty cool game. It is, I agree. Do you like D&D? What if you could play that by yourself? <laughs> or with a friend? Or maybe multiple friends. Or maybe a, a collective group. A hive mind. All that sort of thing. Do you like idols? Yes. Well, if the answer to those questions are yes, then I have the video game that is not a video game for you. It's, <laughs> it's real a fun. tabletop game. So yeah, play Save and Shine. It's a game where you get to maneuver a group of school idols through the treachery of trying to make it to nationals. Mm-hmm. Can they win? Can they save their school? Can they inevi- in- 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 inevitably, there we go, that's the word I'm looking for, <laughs> shine? That's all for you to decide. Got to live and die by the dice roll. It could all go very well or it could all go very bad. Yep. Mine went pretty pick- well. Yeah, ours just did go very well. Surprisingly so. You can pick up Save and Shine right now. It's available now. Did you know that? It's amazing. All you have to do is go to your computer, click in a browser, type in the URL ragbag.itch.io slash save dash and dash shine. And it will be like, wow, I'm here. I can play this game now. And also... There might be an expansion coming soon. There was a trailer for it. There's a trailer out for it right now. So if you're interested in that, you know, there it's on the it's on the itch.io page. It's on the Twitter. You'll see you'll see what's gonna be potentially coming up. So yeah, there you go. Now back to your regularly scheduled episode about random bullshit. <laughs> Play the game, guys. It's fun. It's the best the best way to do sponsor ads is when it's for your own stuff so you don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also just a really fun time and I'm really attached to my group that we made and I really want like art of them and I want them to exist now. Well, I hope you're ready for when we have to put that group through the expansion. Oh no. <laughs> I hope you watched that trailer and and immediately knew exactly what I was going for considering we had talked about it the previous night. Yeah. I, I literally was like in the shower. I was like thinking about that. And I was like, wait a minute. I have an avenue that I could do this for. 
And that's that's how that came to be. So yeah, that's coming soon. Yay! Uh, but now we're gonna talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh. So this week saw something happen that I was not never anticipating that was going to happen. Um. Early Monday morning, in the wee hours of the morning, the time when people shouldn't be awake, but I'm awake. Yep. Because I'm a gremlin. Same. I saw a tweet go out saying that a group had done a full fan translation of the PC Engine CD Sailor Moon game. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) I saw when you tweeted about it. That's someone put the work in to do that i knew about this game for like a while now i think i did a little bit of like i did a stream of it on youtube way back when and it was like at the time like there was no word about it getting translated or anything so i was like oh this is probably going to be a lost cause because who's going to be trying to find the pc engine cd sailor moon game and wanting to play it in english (laughs) outside of like a few handful of people well some people actually did put the work in and now it's fully translated yay um and it all runs really well. The translation seems pretty good. There's actually, like, two versions of it. So, like, if you want to have, like, a normal translation that kind of just, like, translates everything, that's that. There's one that puts in, like, honorifics and then kind of, like, leaves some of, like, the Japanese terminology in the text itself for, like, older fans specifically. Which I think is, like, a, a neat touch that you're probably not going to get from a lot of other fan translations in particular, having like two different versions to choose from. Which one did you pick? Uh, this is the regular. Just because it gets easier for me to discern everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I was, I remember playing this and thinking like it had a really good presentation for a PC engine CD game. Um, and the story seemed interesting from what I could briefly discern. So, like, I always was very curious about it, and obviously, but, you know, couldn't play it in English, so, like, it's kind of fell by the wayside. But now I can! Um, I and now you have. Through, I played through the, the Sailor Moon campaign. You have, you can play through all the, the five Guardians, and they all have, I think, different little stories that kind really? of tie into everything. But, like, I think the other four are more minigame focused, if I recall Ooh. correctly. I could be confusing that with the other PC Engine CD Sailor Moon game, which is like Sailor Moon Collection, and that's just literally a collection of mini games, and they're not good. Um, so yeah, uh, the main campaign, I guess we could call the the Sailor Moon version, um, kind of gives you like basically the most of the story, which is played out basically kind of like a visual novel. There's like a few brief bits of gameplay in it, which aren't really like actually needed. It's kind of just like little breaks in the action, but yeah, uh, it's mostly a visual novel in this route. Um, and essentially, it takes place in season two of the anime. It picks up right after the end of the the anime opening or anime uh, original arc that is the beginning of season two before it picks up into the the Black Moon Clan stuff. Um, and basically, it's kind of just like a little bit of like a an in between story that could have happened before everything goes down so essentially the beginning of the game shows that the dark kingdom has been resurrected and have come back from the dead zombies not necessarily zombies they're zombies 
They aren't. They aren't trying to chew your blood. Chew they your blood. Are, chew they your are flesh. Undead. They are undead. That's true. Um. So yeah, that that is troublesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, we learned that Nephrite has broken free of the spell and is like being attacked by enemies and the thing like he says before you go into like the the opening credits is like he has to go find usagi to warn her about what's happening um cool thing about this game is that it has like its own original opening and ending songs that are like fully voiced and everything because it's a cd game so of course you're going to do that so like that's pretty cool um and also like this fan translation has like subtitles and everything for those so you get like the full experience um but yeah, essentially, the Dark Kingdom has been brought back. They're trying to find the Silver Crystal again to give to their new ruler, who's who's brought him back. Um, Nephrite is broken free. He runs into Naru, who is Usagi's best friend. Uh, in the in the original anime, those two had a fling, kind of. What? Nephrite and Naru. Yeah. What? So. Excuse me. That is a thing. Yeah. Why? Look, they had a lot of time to to pad out the anime. Okay, yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> a lot of time. So they kind of like a touch on that a bit cuz like she finds him in the street and like brings him back to her house to like nurse him back to health. And then eventually is where like uh Usagi meets him because like Usagi learns about it and like tells everyone and they're like that seems real shady. I don't think we can trust this dude. And Usagi's like, ah, we can trust him. <laughs> so, like, she finds uh, Mamoru and her and him go to, to see him. And I think it it might depend on, like, who you pick and certain dialogue choices that another person will come with you. Uh, for me, it was Makoto. Um, and he basically explains, like, what's happening. Uh, there is a, a new person called Past Wise Man. Who <laughs> okay. is... Okay. Clever name. Exactly. He has this uh this specific crystal that can bring people back from the dead and basically puts them under their control. Um also all of the dark kingdom that are under his control, they wear like faceless masks now. Weird. Which is like a really interesting touch and everything. Uh so they have like Luna look out look over Naru's house to make sure no one does anything to Nephrite except the the other folks of the dark kingdom come and kidnap him away um this does do do a very good job they didn't do a good job no this does do the thing where it it tries to tie it back into some of like the manga lore Mm -hmm. where they have the uh the four dudes of the dark kingdom basically remember that like they were serving under endymion Mm -hmm. which the original anime doesn't really touch upon really so they kind of like tie that back in which i think is a really good touch that is a good touch Mm -hmm. um eventually you kind of uh, you learn that like oh the Dark Kingdom is like zapping Tokyo of its powers and everything and they they show up as like giant holograms in the sky being like hey what's up we're gonna take over now word you have to go to like all these different like pillars and try and stop everyone uh, Usagi goes and fights Queen Barrel and it's like interesting that like you have like this fight but you have like specific like choices you can make during the fight. Of like, oh, do I want to like parry her attack or just like run out of the way and dodge and everything? And like, 
it's interesting because like you could kind of like go through these steps logically or go through them as Usagi would, <laughs> <laughs> which is like some interesting distinctions that go go off there. Um, what did you do? I kind of did a mix of both. Okay. So, uh, we get a little bit more of like Queen Beryl, like, and her talking about like how like you know their time in the past and the moon kingdom and all that sort of stuff and how like she wanted to be with Endymion and everything but Princess Serenity ruined everything that's why she is the way she is and everything but I'm such a nice girl why didn't you love me <laughs> um you get you have a fight with you have the fight and everything Tuxedo Mask shows up uh and then eventually things get bad so you have to go back and regroup Nephrite gives like or uses like the dark crystal to basically try and help out. They go back and fight and everything again. We we find past wise man who's just like, yeah, I'm just doing this so I can do things later on. Wink, 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 wink. Um, essentially, this is like this is literally wise man who's going to show up with the Black Moon Clan, mm-hmm. but past wise man. So like that you you don't fight him at all. He's just like I I brought these people back so like I could get the silver crystal, but essentially if they don't do it, I'm just gonna peace out. Lazy. And like there's like there's like specific teases to like the next arc as well. Like he like the past wise man drops in and, and things, and he's like oh, stuff's gonna get real bad for you in the future, huh? Wink wink. Wink wink. <laughs> essentially, um. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. So you have to fight off the Dark Kingdom again, and then you fight off Queen Beryl, and you defeat her, and she's just like, you gotta kill me. Because, like, essentially, Past Wiseman's like, hey, you can, like, kill them and everything, but I'm just gonna keep bringing them back, because LOL. <laughs> <laughs> but the other Guardians get, like, their powered-up attacks and are able to kind of fight, fend, fend Past Wiseman off, and Past Wiseman's like, alright, later, I'm done. Peace out. I'm good. Um. So yeah, Queen Barrel's like, "Hey, you should probably finish me off. That'd be real cool." And Usagi's like, "No, I can't. Why can't you just live a nice, normal life? <laughs> we could have been nice to each other. Go home and be a family man. Go home and be a family man." <laughs> I love your Usagi voice. <laughs> <laughs> um. So all that goes down, and then like at the end, Usagi wishes with the crystal to for the Dark Kingdom to live normal lives from here on out, which kind of infers that like they could just be out and about living their lives now, but like have no memories of what happened in that universe, which is <laughs> interesting. And then that's basically kind of how it ends. So like it's essentially like it's a very you know kind of self-contained story like it at best i think you could like see this as like here's like an ova little mini arc to okay. kind of bridge the gap between the anime original arc into the adaptation arc um so yeah it's 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 an interesting little you know story that they've done like it's interesting that like in this time period that you know whenever the games would do kind of like original stories. A lot of a lot of times, it would basically kind of revolve around, "Hey, we're gonna bring back these old enemies <laughs> from the dead," because <laughs> like uh, another story does that as well, and then this does this. So, 
Um, but I think this does it pretty well. It's you know it's not necessarily like it doesn't overstay its welcome or anything. It kind of kind of gets in, gets out. So That's I would the say best way to do these. Yeah, like if you are if you wanted to try this out, like it PC Engine CD stuff is kind of a pain in the butt to get set up and everything. But like if you can figure that stuff out, like this is totally a thing. I think that you should check out if you're interested. Um, it is interesting, I guess, minorly interesting that like this came out in 94 but it did not come out around the same time that Sailor Moon R was airing hmm. um but it came out like when Sailor Moon S was airing so it was like still fairly recent but like they weren't able to kind of time it to like oh hey the anime original arc is ending here let's throw the game out now and then people could play this while they're watching season 2 as well okay so it was like a little bit later but like um so, like, this game came out in August of 94, and Sailor Moon R finished up in March of 94. So, still fairly relevant, I would say. Um, but, yeah. That was just a cool thing that, like, I'm surprised it got localized at all, or translate had a fan translation. Uh, and finally got to play that, and it was real cool. Glad I did. I'm glad you did, too. Thumbs up. I would, but I'm sure it would be a nightmare to try and get working on yeah, it's, it's it is a pain in the butt. But uh, it's really cool. share things that are hard for me to do. It's true. Um, it has really good presentation for an early CD game. Like, It looked nice when I it, saw the It has a on. really good look. Like, It really just like takes that the, the style of the anime and perfectly fits it. Like, and it has like, you know, good soundtrack that fits the, the styles of the anime as well. They have like all of the voice actors are in it. And there's, like, a ton of voice lines in it as well. So, like, they put in a hefty amount of work into that to make it really fit what you would want from a Sailor Moon game. And, and as well, like, if you think, like, what else was out around that time in terms of, like, Sailor Moon games, it was, like, the Famicom game, the Super Famicom games, which, like, are good, but nowhere close to the level of presentation that this has. So... There's that. Nice. Yep. You want to talk about something we played? I do. I don't remember the name of it, which is the bad thing. Oh, no. We should have looked that up before we started. We should have looked that up. <laughs> totally Reliable Delivery Service. Yes, that is the name of this game. Yes. Um, It is a physics-based puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same vein as like a human fall flat, mm -hmm. but with a little bit more and different kind of takes on physicky pu physicky puzzles. <laughs> That's the way to put it. Um, we played some of this co-op, and a lot of it is like you going around and delivering specific things to different locations, and it's like in this world that you are occupying, um, and it is chaos. It is absolute chaos. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because when it comes to physics and puzzles. And us. And us. It becomes very chaotic. So yeah, like it's essentially like you have like, you'll have a thing and you just have to get it from point A to point B. And how you do that is up to you. There's some, there may be some things along the way that will try and hinder you or whatnot, but you know, for the most part, it's just getting from point A to point B. And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes it's really easy. Or sometimes it's just hectic. 
<laughs> either because of the challenge it presents or because one of us is just being <laughs> a hacker ridiculous <laughs> oh man this game we played it for hours mm -hmm. just like straight it was a fun time it was um, really fun. Um, although there are some like weird co-op glitchy things that happen. Yeah, it's like you didn't get all the trophies. I didn't get which any was a of the weird. vehicle trophies. Yeah, um, but yeah, like one of the things I think that kind of separates this from Human Fall Flat is like there's a variety of vehicles in it. Yeah. Um, so you have like cars and stuff, and then you have like planes and boats and all sorts of stuff like that. So like. That can be also just another thing that's just another layer on top of everything else. So like trying to fly a helicopter <laughs> while maintaining something you have to deliver. Not that easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's explosive. Sometimes it's very explosive. Also landing in those vehicles when they fly very hard. Mm -hmm. I will say that... Landing the helicopter on the moving blimp. I was so proud of you. Top tier moment in video I, games. I was so proud of you. Like that was that was difficult. That was a plus 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 plus. <laughs> oh man, uh, there is a lot to do in that game. There's a lot of different uh, there's different places to go, obviously, and then like each area has its own set of like puzzles that you get to go through. Um, they all range from like you know relatively simple stuff to challenging stuff mm -hmm. um and there's there's even like fun little easter eggs hidden throughout like this world as well like there's a wrestling ring on a on, on the water that you can run around there was like a fake rocket league arena oh my god i forgot about that because i was raging um there were some other fun things there was like a like museum historic site type thing mm-hmm um, there was a deserted island that made me want to murder somebody. <laughs> there was a lot to explore here. Oh, there was uh, what was a GASA? Yeah, the fake NASA. Yeah, like there was an entire like compound for space there. Mm -hmm. There was some other fun stuff. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean it. It was. It was like a tornado area. <laughs> Didn't you lose your pants? I lost my pants in the tornado. I need to try and lose my pants in the tornado at some point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there's just a lot to do, like surprisingly a lot to do, and even that, even that is with uh, like without us buying the DLC, which adds to, like a couple of other islands mm -hmm. along the way, which is probably just a bunch of other stuff that you can do as well. So like, it's not something you're gonna sit down like blast through and like an hour or two specifically because like obviously it's a physics based puzzle game so like anything could go wrong in any second but anything there's just a surprising amount of stuff just to to explore to find to challenge yourself with and of course all that is more fun when you do it with a friend or multiple friends yes so um Although I have discovered the difficulties in um, launching fish into <laughs> giant, like, buildings and things. 
that was like the one thing we would like just take a lot of time on. <laughs> Because it was like, okay, we've got to figure out, like, the arc trajectory, how far forward or back we have to be, how we have to line this up so it shoots correctly, how to not just get sucked up into the the rotating belt and get how flung ourselves. How to not have the car disappear. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. And there were several of those that were just like... <sighs> we're just spending, like, 45 minutes on. Yeah, it was crazy. Um... There were some really, really fun ones, though. There's something I was going to say about it, and now I'm blanking completely. In the meantime, I can say that, like, the characters are all customizable, and mm-hmm. you can make some pretty silly-looking people in it. This and is like a, There's a function that you can just you literally randomize your entire character, so... I did that often. Um, and they've got, like, really jiggly butt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. We found this fun spot where we could, like, launch ourselves, which was enjoyable. Yes. The little, like, um, UFO. What are mm-hmm. th- what are those called? That sounds like, like... Like a gravity spinner type thing. Yeah, like a, an amusement park ride. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you can, like, there's one of those, like, on a boardwalk somewhere, and, like, you can just, like... You can lift it up and down. You can spin it real fast. And Harass also you can just friends. have a person on there and just launch them. <laughs> it's fun. Which is real good. Um, I also got stuck for a good while on the um, um, Ferris wheel. Because mm-hmm. you decided to like make it go really, really fast. And because of that, like it would swing me upside down but i would stay in because of physics and then like on the way down i would bonk my head on the edge and then fall unconscious and then get awake just enough to like get to the top again and then bonk my head and fall unconscious it was really really funny i put you into the loop of concussions <laughs> i did i was stuck there like you had me in there for a solid like minute or so mm-hmm. it's pretty good really funny actually it's the chaos of us <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing with us playing these types of games is that we're just like all right how can we be as chaotic as humanly possible and we do it and sometimes things go awesome and sometimes things go horribly <laughs> and we blow up a lot kaboom yeah i mean like delivering gas in helicopters and airplanes and things like that yikes and um, it's also very hard to fit, like, a box and two people in the helicopters. So there were many times that, like, we'd put the box in, you take off, and I would just, like, cling to the side of the helicopter so that you'd have to fly it with me also weighing it down on one side. Because <laughs> it's like, I can't fit in there, but I want to go, so... Whee! Yay. Splat. It was really fun, though. I mean, we played for, like, several hours. Mm -hmm. And then I think we realized that JoJo wasn't happening, I think. Well, I think we got off to play to watch JoJo, and then it wasn't happening. We're like, oh. Yeah, it was was disappointing. Very sad. (sighs) But, yeah, um, what I learned is that we are both terrible delivery people. It's true. That's why we do not work in the delivery business. Mm-mm, we do not, and we never should. We we cannot handle with care. Nope. 
Like there were several that like you have to deliver it without damage happening to it. And we were just like, all right, well that just fell down a mountain. <laughs> Only took like 30% damage <laughs> somehow. Very sturdy packages. Or like the one that like you blew up the helicopter you were in, but it still survives. You're like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> It's like we just blew up a helicopter and this box is fine. Yeah, exactly. That's how that works. Is it is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Amazing. So yeah, that game's fun. It was really fun. If you're looking for something to do with friends in this hellscape of a world that we're currently living in, it's a pretty th- pretty alright game to play. Yeah. I I agree with that. It is a hellscape out there. <laughs> yes, that's the one thing you agree with. Uh, well, Al, what if we talked about books? I like books. Yeah, who doesn't like a good book? <laughs> Some people don't like books. Well, it's because they're cowards. It's true. If someone tells you they they don't like reading, don't trust them. Don't trust them. Like that, point blank. Uh, point blank. Three hundred three song is that is that the group? Don't trust them. Boy, I think they say something else besides them, but. Yeah, don't trust me. But you want to trust something else. But you want to trust me because I like books. But don't yes. trust people that don't like books. Al, do you like video games? I tend to like the video, yeah. Do you like books? I do like books, yes. Do I'm you a like librarian. books about video games? Uh, actually, I have read a few of them. I, I was actually showing somebody yesterday that I have an Alan Wake book. Huh. Yep. So you are familiar with the idea of a, a novelized adaptation of a video game i am believe it how many how many do you think you've read oh probably not many probably because there's not that many out there yeah i mean i've read like believe it or not i've read the final fantasy 7 ones are those adaptations or they yeah so i don't think that counts counts i'm talking about a retelling of the video game in a book i don't know like of what you would go through as a player. I don't know that like the Zelda mangas count. Mm, I think that that's the that could be skirting the line. It's probably the closest that yeah. I have. Besides the Alan Wake book, but I, even then, that's still like not a retelling entirely of Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. It's just an Alan Wake adjacent. Right. Ow. Mm-hmm. That's me. How do you feel about Metal Gear Solid Two? As a video game. Um, so it has one giant knock against it. <laughs> and that is the fact that there is a, a human named Kojima who is involved that we- I very much hate <laughs> with all of my being. Well. But I know that it's one of your faves. How would you feel about a novelized version of Metal Gear Solid 2 not written by Kojima? Okay, well, not written by Kojima is already a plus. His name, Kojima's name is on the cover. I'm sure it is. It's it's very small font. 
It's just in the 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 text that says the official novel of the thrilling Konami video game created by Hideo Kojima. Honestly, like the dude could take a shit and he would label it as like a Kojima exclusive or something. You know, that's the or, only or, time Kojima's or, name appears on the cover, front cover, front and back cover, and the spine of the book. Kojima exclusive, a Kojima original. There we go, a Kojima original. The uh, one of the opening, the title page does say it's an original story by Hideo Kojima. Oh my god. Well, I was talking about author. But, um, so, yeah. Is that I've the had... that you were talking about that you sent me the picture that had <laughs> the weird phrasing in it? Yes. Okay. All right. I Continue. have had this book for a few years now and I've not sat down and read it. And then I was mm-hmm. like, what if I read this book now? Because I'm bored. And I was like, all right, let's do this. This is the novelization of Metal Gear Solid 2. One of your favorite games. One of my favorite games. Which is why I bought this. Um,. This book came out in 2009. It's about seven to eight years after the the, the original game came out. Wow. Uh, this is written by Raymond Benson. He's written a lot of James Bond novels. Really? Really. Hmm. Uh, he's also done some video game novelizations, like he did some Splinter Cell novels. Um, he did a Hitman novel, and then apparently a Dying Light novel. So, like, he is, he's done some stuff in this field before, but like, I think mostly he's known for, like, writing newer James Bond novels. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, this thing's weird, I think is the easiest way to describe it, because... For the most part, it is a retelling of the events of the video game as you would go through it as a player. A lot of the dialogue is literally just lifted from the game, thrown into this. Without not a whole lot of changes. There are some like differences here and there where like they'll add in some different lines or they'll add in some exposition here and there that is normally not in the game. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I'm going to talk about this as if you knew everything that there was about Metal Gear Solid 2, even though I know you aren't, you don't. Okay. Because that's the easiest way for me to describe this without going through a giant retelling of Metal Gear Solid 2. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like it's, I think the weirdest thing about this is that like everything is very sped up. Um, whereas obviously if you're a player, you kind of like, you can take your time and explore. This is basically like, Hey, we're going from point A to point B with like maybe an interaction along the way. Like, Oh no, we're going to fight an enemy. Blat. Okay. We fought the enemy. Now we're moving on to our next destination. Um, like there isn't a whole lot of time to like let things breathe. I think is a weird way to describe it, but like, you know, you're not looking around at the environment. You're not like hunting around for items or anything like that. It is very much, like, is way more linear than, like, what the video game would be. Which, the video game itself is kind of linear. But, like, mm-hmm. this is even more just, like, you are going on this ride and this there is no deviations at all. <laughs> There's one way and that's that's the only way. Like, for example, there are boss fights in Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm-hmm. The boss fights are represented in the book. However, they could last maybe, like, two pages because like I think it's 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 one of the weird things that 
is unrealistic about Metal Gear Solid 2 is that, like, you're fighting a boss, you're going to, like, put, like, three clips of bullets into them before they, they go, their health bar depletes. So, like, this does kind of the opposite of, like, oh, like, one of the boss fights um, against Fat Man... Uh, the the strategy is you knock you knock him down and then you shoot him in the head until his life bar depletes and you have to do that like five or six times. In the novel, Raiden does that once and that's it. <laughs> He's done. I mean that makes fight sense. over. It makes a lot of sense. It does, but like when you're coming to this from the game and having that knowledge, it's just very abrupt and quick. Because mm-hmm. I was expecting like, oh, well, how is the weird? How is the weird way they're gonna get around doing this? And the weird way was, hey, he got shot once in the head. That's it. He's done for. I was like, oh, okay. That ended a lot quicker than I was anticipating. Huh. Okay. Well, guess we're moving on. Um. So, yeah, that's a weird thing. Um. You have probably heard this a lot since you've been around video games most of your life. Mm-hmm. That... People will talk about video game writing, yeah, and how it does not—it it's never matched up to the the quality of capital L literature. I have heard that, yes. Most of the time, I think that's easy to brush off because, like, I think it's two different narratives, two different motives of the medium. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> reading through this, I can I can understand that argument because. I don't think this really fits well as a novel in terms of the way that, the way it's written, which I think is a it's a detriment because of the way that like this is the way the original game is written is it's written to be spoken dialogue. It's written to be a script. Um, there's not a whole lot of like deep inner thoughts that are happening throughout the game or anything. And it's mostly just like, hey, this person's talking, this person's talking. We're going to talk back and forth and then you're going to go you're going to interact with stuff and you're going to do stuff as the player. The the problem with that is, like, since a lot of the dialogue from the game is just literally implanted into the book, mm-hmm. it kind of just feels a little flat and not great at times, mm. just, like, reading it. So you're just, like, going through and it's like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the stuff they say in the game, but, like, I'm not really that invested when I'm reading it. <laughs> it's just kind of here. It's kind of there. Um... Which is, a, it's, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, I don't think you would want to mess with, like, the, the script and, like, change things in a completely wide way that takes away the the feelings and the remembering, the, the memories of the game from people who have played it. Because that's, that's obviously your target audience. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it kind of just, like, undercuts it in a way where it's like, man... Just using the dialogue for the most part throughout this is not that interesting of writing. So it's a weird kind of like catch twenty two. Hmm. Um, but they do in like this guy does implement some like some flavor text here and there. Like he he gives right in some more inner thoughts that are scattered throughout. Um, some of them work, some of them don't. Like uh. The first meeting with Vamp early on in the the second half of the game, he starts describing the way Vamp is like mutilating these these uh, Navy soldiers as like he he's dancing with them like this one this one silent film actor would do. 
he like he names this dude who's like a, a famous silent film actor, and I had to look up who it was. I had no idea who it who this person was that the guy was referencing. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if you really needed to make that reference because I don't think the people, the audience for this book is going to know who that is. Um, but also like that brings up the question: Is like, does that actor actually exist in that universe? That's a good question. I would assume so. Metal Gear Solid is supposed to be very realistic, so... Is well, it? Very realistic in quotation marks, but... Is it? <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Um, but then, like, also, like, in the same, like, page, he's like... Oh, your audience. Yeah. In the same page, he's, like, talking about how it's, like, a horror scene out of a Christopher Lee film. And I was like, oh, that makes a little bit more sense. Like, at least I know who that is. But at the same time, it's like... Are these references really necessary? Well, on the page that you sent me had a reference in it. Oh, how like Rose describes or had at one point apparently said that Raiden looked like a young David Bowie. Yeah. And I have never thought of that when I've seen Raiden. <laughs> never. I didn't know who was talking about when uh when you sent me that. Yeah. And I yeah, I can't I can't see it. I've seen pictures of David Bowie as a, a younger David Bowie in a jingle jangle. Not really jingle the jangle. same. But it's interesting because like you get some of those references early on and then later on just they don't show up. They stop. They just stop. Um, some of the, like the uh, like the metatextual stuff that happens throughout the game of like how the 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 story of what you're seeing is not exactly what's happening per se mm -hmm. um is a little hit or miss like sometimes like you get right and being like this is weird why is the colonel saying this and whatnot um so like they kind of have to be a little bit more like obtuse about it not obtuse but like a little bit more blatant blatant about it mm -hmm. instead of being obtuse like the game is um which i understand because like obviously you're if you're the 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 downside of the the novel is that you're missing the visual aspect of what's happening, so like you can't necessarily be like funky with it. Um, but at the same time, it's it's just weird in general to try and pull that off. Like, um, perhaps like one of the more the more famous scenes in this game is the part where you're running around as riding naked and you're getting a, just like a ton of codec calls from the colonel that make absolutely no sense. And they're still represented in the book. And it's just, it basically acts like as if the colonel is just like speaking gibberish to you. And right in the whole time, is just like, I don't understand what's going on. What's going on? This is very weird. Why is this happening? <laughs> um, so I was like, that was one of the things I was like curious to see how they would pull off. And like, it's fine. But I think it will, it loses a little bit of its muster considering it's like, they have to be like, the colonel called him on the codec, and his voice was distorted, and it sounded very strange. <laughs> Unlike where you get in the game, where you have like the colonel show up, and like his like his portrait picture will like be skewed at times. Sometimes his face just shows up as a skull, and like he has like this distorted voice that sounds very robotic and everything. Um, sometimes you'll you'll get video of like original Metal Gear show up, so like. All that stuff is like lost, lost as well. So you don't really get that. Um, and then I think some of like the the extra stuff they kind of throw in there at times is hit or miss. Sometimes it works. Um, 
sometimes it doesn't. Like there is a line when Solidus introduces himself where he's like, he literally introduces himself and that's like a line that's never in the game. He's like, hello, I'm Solidus Steak. I was created in the lab by this doctor. I'm one of the, the three clones. Dude never says that in the game and it, like reading it in the book is like, that's totally unnecessary. <laughs> you don't need to add that. But at the same time, they do like, they add backstory to Emma, a character who like show, is introduced like late in the game and like isn't really there for that long. And like, it actually helps in that aspect because like you get to understand a little bit more of her character and like understand like her motivations and why she is the way she is as you when you finally meet her so like that time it works but again like it's sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't also they take out the line about where snake points at his headband and he says he has infinite ammo and an immense disappointment when that was not in this book oh i'm sorry how could you not put that in there <laughs> um it is kind of weird as well like they they try to like ungamify it a bit, like we're like, oh, you're not going around picking up item boxes. You're just finding like, oh, I found a box of ammunition in there, in 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 this room. I found a weapon, and I'm hoisting it around with my backpack. Is it in first person? The gamer. No, the the book. It's told through like, at first through Snake, and then through Raiden. Okay. Basically, kind of how the the game is. Okay. So like it, it is a little weird like that. Also, there is a there is a line that the colonel says when he's freaking out near the end of the game. He's like where he says, "Hey, turn the video game console off now." And Ryan's like, "What?" And this they say instead, "Turn the simulation off now." <laughs> but like, there's also a line later on that they say in that same conversation. It's like, "Hey, playing too close to the TV is bad for your eyes." They keep that in, but they change the line about turning the video game console off weird i'm like all right um perhaps i think the most interesting thing about this is that one of the things that was actually cut out of metal gear Solid 2 was near the end of the game when everyone's riding on arsenal gear and it's on a beeline towards manhattan in the original game there was supposed to be cut scenes of arsenal gear tearing through the streets of manhattan before it initially it eventually ends up colliding and stopping in front of federal hall mm -hmm. however a little thing called september 11th happened right and they were like that's probably a bad idea if we include those cutscenes." so they cut them out before the game was initially launched so like basically you see arsenal gear in the water and then fade to black and then oh hey by the way now we're at federal hall <laughs> uh the book keeps all of, like those scenes basically intact so like it kind of goes into detail of like, oh, here it comes and smashes through the Statue of Liberty, smashing through buildings as it makes its way down Wall Street. And then eventually here it comes and stops in front of Federal Hall, hitting the statue of George Washington, knocking it askew, and then flinging Solidus and Raiden onto the roof of Federal Hall. So I thought that was like the most interesting thing about this is that like they actually kept those scenes in. Um, But it's not as like visceral is seeing it it's it totally isn't but like as someone who knows about that that yeah. like those were cut scenes like that's maybe the most fascinating aspect of this novel 
I'm just saying that visually, like that's probably why it was cut. Is that visually, it's very different than reading about it. Yeah. Um, also, I like this the way the the fight interactions are described in this are way more violent than it is in the game. But obviously, like I think that's kind of a thing where like this was a PS2 game. Mm-hmm. You can't like show gra- like gory detail in a PS2 game as you could now. Like Metal Gear Solid 2 is a violent game, but it's not necessarily like violent violent whereas the novel makes it way more violent violent where they're talking about like oh here's Vam cutting off dudes arms and everything and then literally just slitting their throats all this sort of stuff and just like it gets real like kind of detailed in like the way violence happens in the in, in the fights and everything Yikes. in a way that like you could never kind of represent in the the video game because of just the way the technology was at the time Hmm. So, like, that was an interesting thing. Um, but, yeah, it's a weird thing. There's a line in here that I think you would find funny. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Um, it's from the basically the end of the game where, like, the AIs that have been talking to Raiden throughout the entirety of the story are, reveal themselves to be who, to, to who they really are. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, describing where they came from. So now I gotta find that. Because that's what a book does. It makes you find stuff. (laughs) How dare you. How dare. So they're like it's like writing's like, who where did you guys come from? And the line the the line they say is like is a mix, I think, of what is said in the game and also kind of like for this this novel. These AIs say that the White House was our primordial soup, a base of evolution under the protection of the flag, suckled under the nation or the national religion of capitalism. Which I find very interesting that like that's what they would describe the religion of the United States as. I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. But I was like, oh, that's a because that's a, that is the line that's I'm pretty sure it isn't in the game. So, it's very interesting. Um, and then, like, all the, like, the, the future stuff that, like, a lot of people have pointed to in this game about, like, how a lot of this game is based around the idea of, like, the freedom of information and and people and groups in power trying to suppress that and trying to, you know, have control over the flow of digital information. Um, people secluding into their own little hive minds and everything and spitting out their own versions of the truth that they find they think is the the truth essentially and how that's basically become very relevant today and everything like all that stuff is still in here still highly relevant yep um like that stuff all still works so um yeah it's just it's a weird thing like i don't i've never read a video game novelization or novelization of a video game before so like I was kind of just curious to see how they pull it off and like I think at times it works at times it doesn't just because like there's more interaction in a video game than there is in reading per mm-hmm. se um and again like I don't think you're going to pick this up off the shelves without knowing what Metal Gear Solid 2 is and be like oh yeah let me go read this 
Yeah. So that was my next question is like, what if somebody read this book without having played Metal Gear Solid 2? They would be very confused because obviously Metal Gear Solid 2 relies on a lot of knowledge of Metal Gear Solid. Ah. Which that dude also wrote the novelization of Metal Gear Solid, so you could read that, I guess, if you wanted to. <laughs> um, I just imagine like some guy going to the bookstore. He's like, oh, this seems interesting. I'll read this. And he's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> It'd be real interesting. I want to see someone who came to Metal Gear Solid through the books, and I want to know how they feel about the 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 right and bait and switch, <laughs> without ever having played the games. Like that would be real interesting. Uh, I don't think they did novelizations of any of the other games, which is kind of a bummer. But also, like, I don't know how you do a novelization of four, because that game is just completely bonkers off the rails. <laughs> It's, uh... And then if you did a novelization of five, it would be like twenty pages, because that's the amount. That's the amount of story that's in that game. Uh, so yeah, it's it's weird. Um, and again, like I don't think you're gonna read this without having the knowledge of, hey, I've played Metal Gear Solid two. I just want to, I want to see what this is. That just seems like it wouldn't be a thing, elsewise, but like. It's a weird thing to have if you're a fan of the game and wanted to see like how it would be translated into a different medium. Well, here you go. I think maybe it's one of the things that like kind of disproves the idea that a Metal Gear Solid movie would work, in all honesty. <laughs> because like I don't know if this really translated well to a different medium. I I know people say Metal Gear Solid games are movies already, but like Is that really going to translate well to the the silver screen? Yeah, and also like, is it going to translate well to being cut down to like two hours? That's that's the key thing, yeah. Because <laughs> um, like one cutscene in Metal Gear Solid Four can be two hours. It's true. Um, so Metal Gear Solid Two is like a ten-ish hour game. I want to say uh, the book is like three hundred pages. So like, I don't know if that necessarily is a a good value proposition in terms of like equating the story to the, to the novel. Um, obviously a lot of that's going to be like you running around doing stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, um, maybe like the most egregious thing is that they add a line to the end cliffhanger. So like the cliffhanger, obviously Metal Gear Solid is famous for having post-credit stingers. Yep. Um, the post-credit stinger in MGS2 is that like, Hey, you, Snake and Otacon find the list of the Patriots. They find the names of them. The twist is the the twelve people in the Patriots Wiseman's committee has been dead for a hundred years, which they eventually retcon. But that's really here and they're there. And basically the stinger is like Otacon tells Snake that and like the last line you hear is Snake going, What the f And that's how the game is. Game ends. The book is is like has Otacon say another line, like, Yeah, it's really weird how they're all dead, right? It's just like, that's super not needed. Why did you put that there? <laughs> hey, in case you didn't know, these guys are super dead. Like, here, let me read this to you. Because it's the last line in the book. I can find it very easily. Literally, it's like, yeah, hey, they, they died. They they died 100 years ago. Snake says, what the hell? And Otacon says, that's right. The 12 Patriots lived and died a century ago. 
same thing you said. Literally. <laughs> like, like snake ending on saying what the hell is a good just like representation of what the player's thinking at the time. Because they're like, what the hell is going on with this story? You don't need to literally beat them over the head and be like, hey, this is what's happening. Just in case you forgot. Maybe he just really wanted the final say. It's <laughs> like, you know what? I have to have the final line. I this. get the final word in this version. <laughs> I win. It's real weird. He's just like, I just have to repeat what was said two sentences ago. Literally what he does. It's so bizarre. Oh my god. That's it's like, it's super weird. unneeded. But yeah, that's that's the Metal Gear Solid 2 novelization. It's weird. Man. What a ride. It's an easy, it's an, it is an easy read. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Like, it is not difficult at all. Like, you can breeze through this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, it's super just weird, and like, I don't, I don't know if not, like, I think there's probably a reason why this genre has not blown up, in a way, mostly because I don't think a large majority of video game players would be like, hey, I want to go read a book, um, but I, I don't think novelizations of video games work, from my one experience. <laughs> they really, they... It, I think it would have to depend on the story, maybe, but video games are a lot of just like, hey, you are interacting with something, whereas in a book, you don't really have that level of interaction that you do with a video game. Right. So, like, you're missing out on a lot of that, and, like, unless the story is just really strong, I think it's going to fall flat a bit. I mean, at at the top of us talking about this book, I was like, yeah, I've read, like, the Zelda mangas. And the way that that usually works is that they cut out, like, 90% of the dungeons because, like, it would not work if you're just like, Link had to go to this room, and then he had to get the key, and then he had to go to do this, and he had to do that. But that's, like, you know, a large portion of what you're doing in Zelda games. Mm -hmm. Um, So. And they're adding in, like, original stuff. Yeah. To kind of compensate for that. Yeah, they do. And um, I don't know, man. Like, there's always this whole thing about people wanting to to turn video games into other mediums. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. It's mm -hmm. usually not a good idea. It usually does not work. Yeah. Clearly, it does not work here. Like, okay. Think, what's one of the strongest stories in a video game that you know, that you can think of off the top of your head? The first thing that came to mind was Life is Strange 2. Could you turn that into a book? No, because the choices are what's important. And so unless you turned it into a... Like, <laughs> choose your own adventure book? <laughs> gimmicky, choose your own adventure <laughs> book, then like, no, it can't. Mm -hmm. That's that's the first thing that came to mind. Like, or you, you basically mainline a specific story from that. Yeah. yeah. And make the choices yourself, which is basically... Is the antithesis of the game. Right. Like, let's say something like Trails of Cold Steel. Mm -hmm. This very strong story. Very strong story. I've been replaying them, and God, those stories are great. Could you turn that into a book? No. I don't think so. I really don't. Well, I think one, it'd be very long. 
it would be exceptionally long but like can you imagine like having to read through like every time you have to do a valimar battle it's like and then valimar showed up and reen warped to him and then there was a fight and you have to just keep doing that over and over and um, then but Reen found this one item in the middle of the forest and came back and gave it to the person and crossed it off his list. <laughs> he got some money and his student rank went up. <laughs> <laughs> um, like there's just so much about that. And, and like, can you imagine trying to like pull in all the NPC stories that are in the, in the notebooks? Like there's no way you'd be cutting yeah. so much stuff. Like, you'd really have to streamline that. And I feel like a lot of what makes that game so good would just be cut in order to streamline it. Right. Also, who doesn't love fighting with mechs? <laughs> it's true. It, it's one of those things where, like, hey, a medium is the medium for a reason. Yeah. Not everything is going to be a cross-compatible thing of media. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there's... Not everything needs to cross over, period. Yeah. I mean, there's really not a reason for it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did you hear him? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. He also is like, I don't like this. <laughs> Poor buddy. Poor buddy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's video game of a novelization of a video game. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of interested in like wanting to read the the MGS book, but at the same time, I'm just like, <laughs> but am I though? Yeah, that's the that is the thing. Like, I think the only thing if you wanted to do something interesting and make a book, just make it like a side story, like those FF Seven ones you were talking about, or just like kind of do something original. Yeah, that's not tied specifically to the game. Like, I think that's the route you go to, not just like, hey, we're adapting the game. Because I don't think that works. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's that. This has been a wild ride of an episode. We went from Sailor Moon to delivery service to Metal Gear Solid Two novelization. That's just the way we do things around here. It's true. Like as we were saying about the the totally reliable delivery game, like we are chaos, and this is kind of chaos. Mm -hmm. It's fun. So that's going to wrap this episode up then. Yay. If you'd like more from us, go to seasonalmycheckup.com or sac.cool. where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Seasonal Checkup and Jared and Al Watch. You can find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash animecheckup. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash sacova. Buy us a slice of pizza. Get access to early versions of the podcast, other bonus stuff, fun things. Yay. Next week, we'll discuss this thing. This thing. It's what I'm holding in my hand. You can't see it, but that's what we're going to talk about. Dun, dun, dun.